welcome, welcome. My name is Tyler Bender, and welcome to Between Sundays. This is your weekly podcast from Grace Church. I am sitting here with Barry Rodriguez and Marin Gaffron. Welcome, guys. Hey. Thanks. And uh, just for you listeners, this is our first podcast ever. Um, if you are listening to us right now, that kind of tells me you're familiar with podcasts. And so I don't need to explain what that is, but I just want to let you know this, what this is all about. And so um, I've gathered two awesome hosts with me, uh, Marin and Barry, and we are going to t- every week talk about the happenings of Grace Church, the happenings in our lives, sharing stories about what we're hearing in sermons, uh, telling stories about what's going on with each of us so that you can get to know um, your church and your community a little bit better. So welcome <laughs> to the first episode of Between Sundays. We wanted to talk a little bit about legacy. But before we do that, I wanted to uh, allow you, the listener, to get to know who you're listening to. Um, we're, you're going to be hearing from one, two, or three of us each week. And so I thought it might be helpful for you to get to know our stories a little bit better. So like I said, my name is Tyler. I'm the Senior Director of Communications here at Grace Church. And uh, I was born and raised in Indiana and grew up in Carmel, I went to college in the South, uh, Birmingham, Uni- or Birmingham at Samford University, and I moved back here after college and uh, have been in the marketing and advertising industry uh, for about 10 years until I became a staff member here at Grace. So I am doing this podcast because, first of all, out of selfish reasons, I listen to a bunch of podcasts, but also because I feel like there is room for storytelling at Grace Church. And there are so many stories that need to be told that um, are getting told. They're just not getting published at a rate or in the capacity that we would love. And so I wanted to do this to allow Grace Church to share, to listen to, and to really participate in the storytelling and the conversations that happen within our community. So that's a little bit about me, um, Barry and Marin. I would love to hear from you guys just to share a little bit about who you are and maybe why you're doing this. I'll go. Go for it. My name is Marin Gaffron. Um, I'm new to the great state of Indiana. I'm from Chicago originally and lived there up until last year. So there's a lot of newness going on for myself, um, my husband and my two kids. I have a son and a daughter, both in junior high. And I've uh, been married for 15 years and yeah, lots of new stuff um, for my family to encounter here at Grace Church. I am on staff here at Grace Church. I am a worship director on the centralized team. So that would be the team that kind of goes between all three campuses. So you'll see me leading worship at North Indy one week, um, 146 Fishers, um, making my rounds. And you you write songs as well, right? Yes. Um, so I did that more to a full-time capacity before coming on staff here. Um, but one of the things that, uh, they wanted to get going here at Grace Church was to have a songwriting team. So I head up that team and we just got started. We only just had our very first, um, meeting of songwriters, um, here last month. So a week from tomorrow, we'll have our second meetup of songwriters. Um, so if anybody's interested, shoot me an email, let me know. Whoa, that's yeah. huge. That's it's you though. I only found out last week that you write songs. I do. Well, I used to write songs. I Now I'm a fresh dad, so I've been writing baby songs and they all have the words, you're a good boy in them. Oh, that's So beautiful. every song I write right now, it's like 
dedicated Sometimes to my three-month-old. Sometimes we just need to be told that You're we're good, good boy. boys and girls. Yeah. So I think well, that song should he hears come. it plenty. <laughs> Tyler, is there any chance that we might hear a little bit of Milo, You're a Good Boy? Sure. Right You're now. a good boy. You're a good boy. You're a good boy. Mo, oh. mo, mo. Mo. Yeah, we call him Mo. <laughs> it's not short for Milo, but that's what we call well, him. Well, we could work with that. The songwriting yeah. team could Great. really expand that idea. I could contribute idea. a lot right now. <laughs> Barry, how are you? I'm great. I'm yeah, great. thanks for being here. Yeah. Who are you? Um, so I'm Barry Rodriguez. My middle name is David. Barry David Rodriguez. That's lame. And uh, <laughs> so I am the associate pastor of young adults here at Grace, and I'm also on the preaching team. I've been doing that for about five years now, which is kind of crazy. But uh, I'm also in a bit of a unique situation in that I am the candidate being considered to become the successor to the senior pastor, who's also my dad. And that's, you know, ridiculously cliche. I get it. I know, but, um, it's true. It's what's happening. And I'm, I'm about getting close to about seven months away, eight months away from being done with my three-year candidacy process. And at the end of that, they're going to vote and they being the the membership of our church. And if, mm. if they're on board with me being the new senior pastor, then, then the next two years will be my dad and then I, you're in. Yeah, I'll be the junior senior pastor. Wow, for two years, and then I'll be the senior senior pastor. Well, all... so how are you feeling right now? Uh, I'd say overall, I'm feeling about the whole process. Really, seven months out. What's your mental state? Honestly, I'm kind of like, just let me go. Let's do this. Let's, <laughs> let's get it done. Yeah, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with young adult ministry, but I feel like my attentions are pretty divided, and I really, really want to just dig in and. I, been thinking about all this big mm. picture stuff about the future of grace and um, just growing in in my just how much I love to interpret scripture and preaching and I just want to mm. I just want to go there you know mm-hmm. so I, I having to be a little bit a little bit patient and mm-hmm. um, find some really cool stuff to do with young adults while we're while we're waiting so. so you're recently married that is true and I'm sorry to my dear wife Olivia that that didn't that wasn't the first thing I said. <laughs> she probably good. won't listen. We anyway. all know That's you right. She doesn't it. listen to podcasts. So, uh, no, yeah, I'm newly married five months, just about five months and it's a blast. And I'm married to my best friend and someone that I think is probably one of the most impressive, hilarious, thoughtful people in the world. Great. It, Maybe she'll be a interview guest one of these days. She should. She'd be really good at that. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I wanted to know, what is on your guys' minds this weekend or this week? What's been going on? Because one of the things we want to do with this podcast is really just talk about um, what we are thinking, maybe as staff or leaders in this community, uh, and even as congregants in this community. What what are we hearing? What's going on? What are we thinking about? Uh, and talk about it. Because I'm not sure that this podcast is going to be of any tangible help for anybody, but it might be entertaining and it might be informative and it might be interesting. So, uh, one of the best ways we can do that is by talking about what's going on in our, in our worlds. Marin, what's going on in your world? There's a whole lot going on in my world. Um, like I said, new, new digs, uh, being here and moving the family here. So this whole year has been getting to know central Indiana, um, schools and um, everything pertaining to my kids' new life, as well as my new job, as well as my husband's new job. and The intricacies of corn culture? Corn culture. Corn-based culture. Um, yeah. Um, for instance, I learned uh, on Sunday that if you don't like basketball, this is not the state 
for you. That's what do I you like basketball? Um, my husband likes basketball, and we are one. So oh. I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay, so <laughs> I'll take that as a yes. We are one. Yes. All right. Yeah. So how? What are some of the uh, biggest differences between where you came from and where you are now? Some. Um, some are small. I know you're asking for the biggest differences, but some are small, but they're big to me. Um, gas stoves, hard to come by in this area. I, I would imagine that many of our listeners have point. electric range tops. Just let me take a survey at this table. Who has a gas range and who has an electric range here? I have a gas one. Okay. I have an electric. Yeah. And I wish I had a gas. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Why? Do you cook? Dude. Tyler? I mean... We get Blue Apron subscriptions, so uh, does that count? No. Um, what? <laughs> just, that counts. Even, even accurate heat distribution oh. changes immediately when you when you turn the dial. Yeah. Mine, yeah. If, it's, if it's on high, it'll be on high for a little bit. It's going to scorch something. Yeah. yeah. Electric will? Electric is bad news. So electric is more even? No, it's no. not no. good. Come on. What? I don't know. <laughs> it's not preferable. <laughs> it's, it's not our first preferable. episode. You're already yelling at me. <laughs> so much so that when we were looking for where we were going to live, we looked at about 18 houses and the first one with a gas range, I said, that's it. I'll take it. Don't look at it. Oh, so you do have a gas one. I do, but I, it took 18 houses to find one. So really? that's a huge difference. That was a deal breaker for you guys. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that's Absolutely. like me with a car. You have to have the auxiliary input. Otherwise, yes. a car would oh be perfect, but I would I would not buy it. Yeah. Well, not with the new iPhones. You gotta you can't have an auxiliary input. You gotta have you gotta get a weird kind of splitter sort of yeah. thing. Anyway, so gas stoves. Yeah, gas stoves big. So again, like same but different, you know? Um mm -hmm. in Chicago. I've never lived in a place that didn't automatically just come with a gas stove. So wow, bit of an adjustment there. Um, things that we can't find as easily, like really good tortillas. They were abundant tortillas. in Chicago. 35 cents a package. You can find them anywhere. What's your favorite brand of tortilla? El Milagro. That is a plug for El Milagro, okay. which I used to be able they to find. They only sell those in Chicago? No. So I guess is that, they're- Is that Spanish for miracle? I mean- you would know. You haven't tasted these tortillas. <laughs> you haven't. Yes. They, they really are. are the miracle. <laughs> they are. They a are. Miracle. Um, so I was at a small um, taco place a couple Sundays ago down by North Indy, and I could tell this place was going to be awesome because they had stacks and stacks of El Milagro tortillas back there in the kitchen. I'm like, they know what they're doing. What's so great about them? Are they like wet? They are. They are. Are wow. wet tortillas like a good They're thing? They're nice and soggy. <laughs> good thing. I don't know. What's, what makes it? If I don't have like, moist, <laughs> moistness in my tortillas, I just say, When you I'm, go to I'm Chipotle, leaving. they put it in the thing, the foil, to make it wet, right? To like make it stick <laughs> just, to itself. I think that's the wrong word. Uh, they, are, they are moist. Okay. Um, they are... They I just can't even. They're more of a yellow corn than they are of a white corn. Um, and they're made fresh. So the trick in Chicago any store in Chicago. And I taught this to my children when they were about kindergartners. You stick your hand in between the stacks of tortilla, you know, they're wrapped in paper and whatever, but you stick your hand in there to find the ones that are still warm because they just came off the conveyor belt, were thrown into a box, thrown into a truck and shipped to your nearest grocery store. So did you tell them to use hand sanitizer before they did that? Well, you're not touching the tortillas oh, themselves. Okay. You're just sticking your hand between gotcha. the little packages to feel for the warm ones. Hmm. And it's little things like that that are huge things to me. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, here we have, what kind of tortillas do we even have here? I don't even bother. I don't even try. No? No. Mm. No. My husband bought some the other day, last week, 
they tasted like glue. We couldn't do it. Wait, you guys don't use glue in your tortillas in Chicago? <laughs> no, not in Chicago. We don't. Oh, no. wow. So you're a corn <laughs> tortilla. Purist. Absolutely. Really? Yes. So, uh, I well, mean, they taste better, but they fall apart. That's part of the, the charm, really. And Tacos if you, re- if you go over, to, a, yourself? to a legitimate street taco place, they're going to double up on your tortilla. Oh, you got to double up. And you're yeah. going to double up. Barry, what's on your mind? What's going on? <laughs> I haven't been thinking that much about tortillas, <laughs> but I don't know. I guess what's on my mind? I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm wearing a lot of hats these days. Figuratively, I don't usually wear hats in general, but uh, yeah, you're not much of a hat not guy. Not of a hat guy. Not a hat guy. Not like but this guy. No, Tyler's always wear wearing hats. hats. It's 100% out of laziness. It's not because I like hats. It's because I don't want to mess with my hair. When I wear hats, I kind of feel like I look like a clown wearing a hat because my curly hair kind of sticks out the top <laughs> oh, a little yeah. bit. So <laughs> avoid looking like a clown when possible is one of the rules that I live by. Yeah, that's uh, good. So yeah, what's on my mind? I. I mean, frankly, a lot of grace stuff. I'm mm-hmm. here a lot, working a lot. And and I think the thing that I've been, I've just been feeling recently is uh, I go back and forth between being completely overwhelmed and hopeless at some of the things we have in front of us mm-hmm. and being incredibly encouraged and excited mm-hmm. about where we're headed. Mm-hmm. And so here's what I've discovered for myself. When I look at everything in aggregate and I look at all the things that we're facing, uh, you know, racial discrimination and uh, a, a nation divided politically and, um, the, just the vast differences in the ways people approach theology and scripture and, and just the generational gaps and trying to reach generation Z, much less millennials. And it's, it's like, when I look at all those things together, I think, what are we even doing? What's even the point? There's no way. Does anyone even know? There's no way we're going to get there. But, but what I've been able to do because of the way my job is these days, I have each of these things in little, portions where I'll have one conversation or one meeting or one, whatever that focuses on one aspect of those things. Mm-hmm. And each time I leave those and I, and I think, okay, it's possible. There's, there's hope for this issue, mm-hmm. or there's hope for this one over here. And I think what I've started to do is to realize, okay, I can't, I can't always look at the very, very big picture. Cause it will only make it make, make me feel like we're in the middle of a vast ocean. Mm-hmm. But when I zoom in and look at one specific thing, I can see the path forward. It's not an easy path, yeah. but even, even things like racial, the racial issues that, that are, that we're trying to figure out how to be a church that actually changes the world when it comes to racial issues and, and racial discrimination and all these issues. And, and when we look at and have these conversations, I can see glimmers of what it might look like to get from here to there, even though it's going to be a really long, hard process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so for me, I've been learning to kind of zoom in and look specifically at each of the issues and taking each one at a time. Cause if I look at the big thing, I end up getting pretty overwhelmed. And yeah. you're a, you're like a hiker and you've climbed mountains before. Yeah. I've climbed Mount Kilimanjaro in uh, Tanzania, which was pretty cool. So I imagine I've never climbed a mountain mm-hmm. and I've barely gone on a hike. The only hike I ever went on, I thought was a half mile and it turned out to be three miles. And when I got to the bottom, I was pretty ticked. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> did you, did you make it? Did you yeah, survive? We got, we, I thought we were lost and my wife kept telling me we weren't lost, but it did not feel like a, a half mile hike. We were going up mm-hmm. in Colorado, oh. up a mountain, said it was a half mile. I was like, cool. I can do a mile walk. No, three miles up, up. three miles down. And actually down is worse yeah. than going up because I was, 
I thought it was a half mile, so I was wearing sandals. Oh my goodness. Well, there's your problem right there. Oh so on the way down, I was just slamming my foot into my thong sandals. <laughs> <laughs> and by the time I got down, my entire lower body was jello. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Wow. Hiking no. and going up mountains, I was going to say, I imagine that when you feel like you can't keep going to the summit, you're like, can I get to that rock? That's only like 10 steps away. You get there. That's an accomplishment. Can I get to that tree? That's just 15 steps away. All right. Got there. Accomplishment. I can't breathe because the air is too thin. I can't even think about getting to the summit right now, but can I get to that tree? You know, I, no. is, do you experience that when you go on hikes or oh, no? Yeah. hundred percent. When, when we climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, uh, our guide had this thing. He just, it was so annoying and he knew that he just had to keep saying it, but he would say pole pole, which in Swahili is slowly, slowly, just go mm. slow, go slow. And we would have to take these super ridiculously small steps to the point. I just wanted to jump and run up the mountain. And he kept insisting, no, go slow, go slow, go mm. slow. The whole time we went up step after step after step. And, and it took days. It was like a five, four, four day, four and a half day journey up to the top. And actually summit morning, we got up at one or 2 AM and just went straight up, mm. up these switchbacks going slowly, slowly, mm. pole, 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 and, and step by step by step. And then we somehow, when the sun rose, found ourselves on the top of this mountain after being, after climbing up a little bit by a little bit each day. And I mean, from the, we started around 6,000 something feet, maybe, maybe closer to eight. And we ended at 19,400 wow. feet. And I did that just by walking, wow. you know? And so it's a great analogy because- mm -hmm. What was it like when you saw the peak, like within sight? Did you walk faster? Did you walk harder? Like what happened? Yeah, well, what you, when you get, to, you get to this one point where it's sort of, you reach the top of the mountain, but you're not actually at the summit. So you get to this point and you think, hey, we did it. And you still have an hour of walking ahead of you so to walk up to the actual summit, which kind of goes around the ring. Um, so yeah, I wanted to just run. But by that point, I was so <laughs> deprived of oxygen and so exhausted that um, I was like, I was an emotional basket case. I would just think about anything and burst into tears. Oh, yeah. And I get the whole mountaintop experience thing because I, in that moment, I got a glimpse looking out and I could see the clouds and they weren't just below me. They were like, way, way below me. Oh my God. And I was so high up and, and see, watching the sunrise weeping, thinking about all the things that God has done for me and, uh, you know, walking up there. And of course I'm using this medicine called Diamox, which is supposed to help you avoid altitude sickness. And it also makes you have to pee all the time. So I'm going behind some rock and like, like ping, looking out at the universe. No one ever tells you about that. Why no. would they do that? Why would they make medicine that makes you? Well, that's not the point of the, of the medicine <laughs> to be clear, <laughs> but still, why would they like most instances of someone using that would probably be what airplane? Uh, maybe it's mostly for like being at high altitudes okay. and not dying. Okay. So worth it. I think. Worth it, yeah. yeah. In the I mean, long run. Yeah. Anyway, all that just dehydrating say, yourself. Yeah. Drink a lot of water. I had to get up in the middle of the night. And, and like get out of the tent and then walk out into the freezing cold and look up and see the entire Milky Way. Oh my, my. Well, that is cool. It was pretty cool. And also a pain because I Tyler, just you wanted to sleep. No. Let's do it. Oh my do gosh. It. Kilimanjaro, get 2018. Your, <laughs> get your no, thong sandals. Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't like being outside in my backyard when there's too many bugs. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do well. Marion, how do you fair on the whole active hiking outdoorsy 
So I my, know you yeah, mentioned my husband you... and I went away for our anniversary this weekend. Um, we were married 15 years and wanted to do something a little more special than our usual Outback Steakhouse. So we went to Brown <laughs> County and uh, we got a, a condominium type place to stay for the weekend and spent the vast majority of the time outdoors in Brown County because it's fall. The colors are outrageously mm. beautiful and we'd never been to Brown County State Park. So lots of really good hiking. I wore my best hiking boots. Was it nice weather? Um, yes and no. So it was overcast um, for the most part, but it was just cool enough to where, I mean, my husband and I chose trails that were moderate and then we chose trails that were rugged. Mm. We wanted, you Whoa. know, yeah, we rugged. wanted to work hard and we were, we were so out of breath and sweating by the end yeah. of this one, um, ascension. Ugh. It was what another anniversary hike, is that the best kind. <laughs> it was a hike that went down, um, to the Valley and then, you know, you're a little tired from walking downhill and then you end with this crescendo uphill. And of course, like I have pictures. I was sweating at the end mm. of this hike. So had it been any warmer, it would have been maybe more difficult. So it was really good hiking weather. Yeah. Indiana, more than just corn. We also have leaves. Yeah. You do. You have beautiful. Too many leaves. Beautiful For like leaves. a week. Yeah. And then we have deathly cold. So, so in Chicago, when my son was a toddler, um, we lived on the north side of the city with sky rises and lots of concrete. And when we go visit my parents in the suburbs, I'll never forget. He was about two years old. And we got out of the car, pulled into their driveway, which was unique in itself. Like, oh, a driveway? Like, You don't have to circle for two hours oh, to find a place yeah. to park. You don't have to pay to park once you get there. So whatever. We pull into their driveway and he folds himself in half. And he's just running his fingers through the grass of their front lawn. What? And that was the first time I realized, like, oh, I'm really raising a city kid. Like, yeah. he's so used to concrete. He's having that a grass spiritual experience. fascinating <laughs> to him. And to this day... You know, my husband and I went away for our anniversary, but I kept saying, oh, we've got to come back here with the kids. He's 13. And one of his favorite things to do is to take his iPhone into the woods and just take nature photography. He has his phone, his pictures. You should ask him to see him sometime. He has amazing still shots of all kinds of creatures and wildlife and plants and just, so he loves it. He loves it. And the way that he sees things is so unique. Like I would just walk past that leaf and say, Oh look, another leaf, but he'll mm. stop and admire that leaf and photograph that leaf. Mm. And yeah. Awesome. Cool. So I'm so excited that we're only an hour and a half away from something so beautiful and it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Cool. Well, one thing we wanted to do uh, with this podcast is bring you thoughts and responses and uh, reaction to some of the main messages that come out of Grace Church. And this past weekend, Tim Ayers spoke about the aging adult. And so today we wanted to talk a little bit about legacy, uh, how that's playing out in, in our lives uh, with our parents, with our grandparents, with, with ourselves. Um, usually we would have a speaker here, but because you guys have never heard from us. We thought it, it would be good to spend the first 20 minutes talking about ourselves <laughs> and just kind of a little bit of nonsense. But um, today I wanted to talk with you two about legacy and um, just kind of react to the things Tim had to say uh, this past weekend about, he started off by saying some things that he wishes younger generations knew about him as an aging adult, but also about the, the, uh, aging adults in, 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 in his life or in, in your life. And so, um, any, 
any thoughts or takeaways before we uh, dig into some specifics of what he was talking about? Um, Going back to that mountain climbing or or hiking thing, I think we're going to get to it, but he talked so much about finishing well. Hmm. Um, And when I get to the end of something, running in particular, my husband and I'll go running together. And sometimes he makes fun of me when we get to that last half mile, he'll tell me you were running like you stole something. Like Hmm. if I can see the end in sight, I'm just booking. And it's like that with hiking or, you know, any other thing that we do. Once I can see like, oh man, we're almost there. I just get this wind of energy, this burst of optimism. And I just, want to finish strong. It doesn't matter what it is. Mm. I just want to finish strong. And I felt like he was echoing that sentiment um, a lot. Yeah. The sermon. Yeah. So we actually have a clip, I think, of him talking about that. Let's play that. I know that I am living in the back half of a life that is passing away very quickly. And this ticking clock is both a terror and it's a motivator. It's a terror because there is nothing that I can do about the passage of time. Tomorrow becomes yesterday so quickly that it is frightening. And yet this ticking clock is also a motivator for me. It keeps me working towards something that I want more than I can express. I want my last last years to be inspired and inspiring. I want to finish well. Inspired and inspiring. Mm-hmm. And Tim talked about his age. He, when, when the idea of him giving this message uh, came up, he thought, I'm not an aging adult. But then he started looking at his life um, compared to the people he surrounds himself with, compared to the people he works with. And he's like, Maybe I am. And he's about to turn 65. My dad is about to turn 65. And when he started talking about himself being an aging adult, I started thinking about my dad. Mm -hmm. And I've never thought about my dad as an aging adult, but he is. And when we think about finishing well, like that hurts me Mm -hmm. to think about my dad in that way because he's on the downside of his life, you know? And when, I mean, I've never thought of my dad as old. What about you guys? Do you guys, like, what do you think of? <laughs> I'm laughing because you don't know my dad. <laughs> Is your dad super old? Oh, man. Um, so, no. Um, he was born in 61, so, you know, he's... Oh, he's young. He's, I guess, on the younger end of grandfathers. Yeah. Um, but um, my dad is forever young. My dad is a rock and roller. He has more guitars than any one person should have, more tattoos than any one person mm-hmm. should have. Um, but he's he's an, a cyclist. He he loves to mountain bike. He loves to run. Um, his sense of humor is younger than mine. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> fart jokes. Only fart jokes, like a wealth of them, a wealth of them. Um, when my husband and I were dating, one of the reasons I fell in love with my husband was because he looked at my father one day in the kitchen and said, what are you, 12? 
I was like, this is awesome. He saw it. It's awesome. Because yeah, all my other friends just were like, yeah, fart jokes. That's awesome. But Jed was like, what are you, Grow up. What are you 12? <laughs> Grow up, Aaron's right. dad. No. So while his number might suggest that he is an aging adult, um, the spirit of my dad is anything but that yeah. of an aging adult. And I don't know that it ever will be. Um, even looking at his father, my grandfather um, is much the same way, still flying. Mm. Um, I have a grandmother who's 91 years old and just renewed her driver's license what? in Chicago. Yeah, we don't grow old. Oh my gosh. We just get better and better. <laughs> I mean, do do you want to be on the road when she's driving or she, she's, um, everything's fine? Good question. So I, I know that the process you have to go through... Um, you take your driving exam once you reach a certain age um, every year. So to me, you know, if if the state or if the city thinks that she's fit to drive, that really says something because she she has to. She's, she was scrutinized. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just I was driving and while well, I was riding in a car last night with my wife's grandpa and my life flash before my eyes twice there were two times that he pulled out in front of a car and started yelling at the guy or mm -hmm. girl who he pulled out in front of and I was like somebody needs to re remove this man's license <laughs> and he's not 91 he's much younger but well, yeah and so I'll tell you why I would rather drive with my grandma I know that my grandmother is never going to check her Facebook behind the wheel she's never going <laughs> to send a true. text message behind the wheel my grandma is focused 100% yeah. of the 10 time 10 <laughs> Barry, is there anybody in your life that you uh, have watched grow older and it's really impacted you, whether it's negative or positive in your life? Yeah. I mean, I, I could talk about my dad. It's a little weird because he's the senior pastor of this church, but um, I, I mean, obviously he'd be the first one to say that he is, he senses the passage of time. He senses himself mm. getting older. My mom as well. I mean, uh, the two of them, they recognize that they aren't 20 and that they are getting older. But I think with both of them, I get the sense that their focus has become so much more refined and defined. Kind of like what Tim was saying, yeah. they are now looking at their life and they're asking questions of legacy hmm. in ways that perhaps we as young 30-ish something around about their people, 34, uh, but as, as we would probably not think about, we think, Oh, I'll try this for a bit. If it doesn't work out, I'll try something else. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't, we're not thinking what's my long-term legacy for my life, but my mm. parents are. Mm -hmm. And it's been really interesting to see the choices that they're making of how to spend their time, who to spend their time with. Mm. Uh, and obviously with dad making the rather controversial decision to leave grace before old age forces him to mm -hmm. not to leave grace. I should clarify to leave his role as senior mm -hmm. pastor. Mm -hmm. um, that was a, that's an intentional decision that a lot of people don't, didn't agree with. And uh, because they think, well, well, just keep going. You've got another 20 years in you easily. And it's true. He totally could, but he sees part of his legacy as allowing a younger generation to, to lead. And so I don't think he's going away. He's, he's just simply going to be shifting in what his role is. And so it's just interesting to look at how my parents both have started to to see bigger picture realities about the purpose of their life mm. that I probably miss because I'm still a little bit younger and someone who's in, let's say high school even isn't even, it's not even on their radar to think about. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I, I really respect it. And I think both dad and Tim who are good friends, by the way. And I think I look at both of them, Tim Ayers, who gave the sermon, I should clarify the two of them, both um, being people who've given their dedicated their lives to ministry 
um, they truly have this balance of pursuing their own legacy, but not seeing it as a personal individualistic thing, but seeing their legacy as being lived out in those who are younger than them that they're building into, mm-hmm. which I, I think is a really fascinating thing rather than just building up what's my personal you know, wealth or what's my personal uh, mark on the world. They're seeing what's the mark on the world that's going to be left by those I influence. Yeah. That's their legacy, which is, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And it's, when you think about it that way, you, I start asking questions like, if everybody acted that way, do you think culture would view older generations as irrelevant? Because I feel like we, we often treat older generations as irrelevant, but if everybody kind of acted in a way that's like, I want to leave my legacy with these younger generations and younger generations said, there's a legacy here for me to hold on to. How does that change? How does that change family dynamics and how does that change uh, how people relate to those older generations? Culturally, um, I think the answer to that question would be different depending on your lens. Mm -hmm. So I can speak, um, within the African-American church, mothers, um, as they call them, are uh, the elderly women of the church, um, highly revered, highly respected mothers, not in any way disregarded, um, but revered, really. Mm. Um, And taken care of. um, My grandmother, who turned 91, She's also African-American and uh, we just had a a birthday gala for her a couple of months ago um, because we don't want to celebrate her when she's she's gone gone and Mm -hmm. she can't hear us. We would rather, there's some, some phrase that says, you know, she wants to give her roses while she could still smell them basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, every year uh, that she turns another page in her life, Throw a big party. Um, we throw off guys. Awesome. Get wilder and diversified parties. Uh, this a couple years ago, like we did a little cruise around Lake Michigan for Grandma. That was a big deal. Uh, this year was a costume party, 1920s themed, Roaring Twenties costume party for Grandma. Is that when she was born? <laughs> um, I don't think so. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just. I think depending on your lens, it it the picture looks different. Do you? Sure. disregard or uh, marginalize the elderly or do you hold them in high esteem and with respect? Yeah. And yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say it's, it's fascinating to me because I've had a chance to spend a lot of time in the developing world and other cultures. And I've discovered, I mean, it's pretty obvious that the whole revering of elders is pretty much baked into human culture everywhere except the Western world. Mm-hmm. We have, we have somewhere along the line d- started this, this flip of, revering and idolizing and worshiping youth, uh, which has gotten to the point where not only do we, do we worship youth, but we then disregard and even come to despise Mm. anything that's not youth. And so you see people going to extreme lengths to try to maintain their youth. And we see, we see people who are older being, being thrown to the curb and, and you know, what Mm. they have to say. I mean, just look at, look at, um, nursing homes. I mean, if we're going to be real, look at nursing homes. I, when I talked to one of my dear friends, Pastor Fred in, in Kenya, uh, he lives in, uh, he works in, in Kibera slum and uh, he's incredible man of faith has given so much of his life. We've, we've talked at ad nauseum about all the different cultural differences. And when I mentioned the fact that we 
generally often put our elders into homes where they're institutionalized. He literally couldn't, he was not able to process that Mm. because to him in, in Kenya, at least in that culture, he was like, well, when we get old, that's why we have kids. That's our, that's our (laughs) retirement plan because the kids are going to take care of us because why would they do anything else? That's, Mm -hmm. and so it just showed to me, man, we don't think twice about, about the way that our culture treats the elders, but that's actually pretty, uh, pretty unique in the world. Yeah. May, this makes me think I need to apologize to my mom for all the times I said I was going to put her in a home <laughs> if she, uh, disciplined me against Wait, how, what I wanted. When were you saying this? Oh, You're I said it all growing up. I'm like, <laughs> she's like punishing me for something. And I said, when you get older, you better either go live with my sisters or I'm putting you in a home. I do think you should apologize for that. Yeah, probably. It's couldn't hurt. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) so another thing Tim talked about, um, was how he wants, and he feels like older generations feel, uh, dignified and honored when, uh, younger generations invite them into their worlds. Mm -hmm. Let's take a listen to what he has to say about that. We need your help, those of us who are older. We need your help to finish well. And one, th- one of the ways that you can do this is by simply recognizing that we older people are people. Sure, there are going to be times when there are disconnects over technology or current cultural trends or even political things. I know that. But please don't patronize old people, old folk, and fall into the trap that that we're all just lost in the past and unable to learn anything new from you? Don't stereotype, please. Can I ask you a favor? Could you suffer well my ignorance of your world? This is a really vulnerable message from him. Mm -hmm. Like I've never heard him talk that way where he's, he's basically, it sounded like he was pleading Mm -hmm. with younger generations to get it together with the older generations. Yeah. Yeah. It, it did sound like a, a pleading, just a really heartfelt request mm-hmm. for us just to spend time. Yeah. And he said the stuff about technology and it made me think about my dad when he got an iPhone, like technology is the thing that frustrates me the most about my dad, mm-hmm. his font, is gigantic. You could see it from across the room. Uh, he, do, you to, do you have to remind him to try turning it off and on again yes, a lot? Yeah. yeah. Turn it off. Turn it back on. No, wait a minute. My husband has to tell me to do that. Just restart it. Like we joke about that. That's anything what? in my life goes wrong. Just restart it. Like, yeah. am I an aging adult? Well, I mean, we all are really, right? We're all, if you were, there's nothing wrong with there's that. There's nothing wrong with that. He has probably like a hundred windows open at the same time and doesn't know how to close. Like the whole thing, he calls either me or my sister once every few weeks. And it's the thing that frustrates me the most. And I get so frustrated about his age and that he doesn't know this technology. And if he just spent an hour trying to care about this, then we would all be better off for it. But really like, how selfish of me, right? So I have a statistic for <laughs> <laughs> No comment. No, yeah, you're really selfish. Yeah. We all, we um, all agree. 
I don't like math at all. Um, anyone who knows me knows that, but I do love a good statistic. Um, and in preparing just to have a discussion on aging adults, I went to census.gov and looked at some of the uh, recent statistics on all things pertaining to uh, the aging population of the U.S. So computer and internet use, and I think this might surprise some of us, the percentage of those 65 and older who reported living in homes with computers is 71%. 65 and older, 71%. And additionally, 62.4% of those access the internet through a high speed internet connection. So really, I, yeah, my grandmother FaceTimes me. She's got an iPhone. No way. The 91 year old grandmother. Oh my FaceTimes goodness. Me. She sounds awesome. So well, we should have just had her. She here. likes to party. Here's the she question. Though. Do they have statistics on how many of those using the internet only use all cap emails? <laughs> They just, no, they just hit the forward button. Get usually. it together, <laughs> Census Bureau. We want the real stats. No, but it's it's interesting because we we think of being up to date with technology as this some sort of almost a moral good. Yeah, it's so weird when you really think about it. Like, okay, I I have an iPhone six, so it's Ugh. now multiple multiple years old, and I've made the decision to wait even longer before upgrading, and. I'm realizing because I heard horror stories of people upgrading their iPhone 6 to the new iOS, the new operating system for the iPhone, I decided to wait and not update. And, and so I'm, there are now new features mm. in this new iOS that I'm not using. And mm -hmm. I'm realizing that I feel like, like not only am I missing something, like I feel like I'm not being a very good American right now, you know, cause I'm not, I'm not staying up to date with something that is so important to us. Uh, yeah. You don't know the great life benefit of it is to have an to emoji yeah <laughs> a bear face that mimics your own that that that's where i find life yeah i think that as i think about legacy and i mentioned earlier that i recently had a had a baby it's, he was he's our first child uh, or my wife had a baby sorry uh he's our first child and and by the way you know how frustrated he is going to get with you oh when you don't gosh, know how to use Barry. his hover, whatever. Like, yeah. It's going to be like, my hover teleporter's not working, dad. And uh, just, I got to get a new, I got to get a new framework. I know <laughs> iOS. It's like, going to be is there this? before you know it, man. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. What, what Marin, you have some kids. I do. I have some what kids. What do they get frustrated by you by? Oh, oh, so many things. Um, most recently, and, and it's kind of cute. I don't mind being out of touch with technology or my, my daughter in particular, she speaks in memes. Um, and so all the time she'll be like, Oh, you know, the meme. And I'm like, mm -hmm. no, I don't know the meme. Cause I don't spend my time on Pinterest looking at all of the memes. So she has to explain them to me and the success meme and you know, all that stuff. So she speaks memes fluently. I do not, but she's teaching me. Um, but last week on the remote control, uh, we all wanted to watch something on Netflix. So I think I went the long way to get to Netflix. Like I hit the home <laughs> button and then I scrolled over using the arrow to get oh, to Netflix. And then no. I clicked okay. And she's like, mom, there's a Netflix button on the remote. Yeah. Like just press the, the big red one. It says Netflix. It's big and it's red <laughs> and it says Netflix. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm, I'm not that far away from being, you know, yeah. out of touch with technology myself and I'm okay with it. You are I'm really okay with it. I am. I am. Uh. 
And something's something's wrong. I'm like I, I've just commit. I've just admitted to having like a moral crisis over not upgrading my iPhone. So I'm totally I don't understand secure. This. I yeah. think it's just the peace of God, That's, you know, that passes understanding. Pass understanding. <laughs> it's true. It's bad though. I mean, I woke up the morning the new iPhone went on sale. Like by morning, I mean 3 a.m. I set an alarm for 2:55 to buy the new one. I bought it. And it told me I'm not getting it until mid to late December. And I'm upset that I'm missing out on the technology that everybody else is going to have starting this Friday. I can't even imagine not knowing where the Netflix button is. <laughs> but my life was moving along just fine without as far as knowing you knew, where yeah, that, You had no idea what you were missing. Think how much time you like sunk into finding seconds. Netflix. <laughs> Add that all up over the course of your life. It's a year, That's year a of your life year gone, just gone. <laughs> but wow. I, I was saying, I ha- we had a baby three months ago and him coming into this world has really given me a glimpse into valuing legacy. Like not just my own, but my dad's, my mom's and understanding my parent. I mean, maybe I'm just like so self-absorbed that or narcissistic that I never thought about this before, but they went through this. 34 years ago. They went through what I'm going through. And, uh, my dad, it has a wealth of knowledge and experience that I can't like, I can benefit from, but also that I can just inquire about and spend time with. And, um, so what, what, what I started doing, I asked him to go to breakfast every other week just to, just to talk like no agenda or anything. And a lot of times we talk about, politics or news or whatever, but it's an opportunity for me to get to know him differently than I've ever known him before. Because something that I also realized about a year ago is that, and I think this is a cool thought that maybe I've never thought of until recently, is that the rest of the world knows my dad in a completely different way than I know him. And Barry, I'm sure you get this because your dad's like super public figure. I think anyone with a dad gets that. (laughs) But I never thought about it. I'm like, people people ask me all the time. They're like, what's it like being on vacation with your dad? What's it like at home with you? And so I always just tell them like, well, we were, you know, we're never allowed to listen to the radio growing up. And we had to pray six times a day. I don't don't know. He's a guy. He's my dad. Anyway. But like, to me, he's dad. You know, yeah. and to everybody else in the world, he was Bill he's, Bender. He's Phil, who used to be a rock star, who is this great handyman who worked on their house and saved them a ton of money, or poured into their kids' lives, and their kid is now involved in ministry. Like twenty years later, like he's been in youth ministry for forty years. I was, I was one of those kids yeah. that he poured into. Sweet, so, yeah. Anyway, I think. Um, all three of us here have such extraordinarily unique dads yeah. um, at that. Um, neither one of our dads were content to just kind of sit back and let life happen to them. Like our dads were people who made things happen yeah. and are highly respected in their communities. And Did you ever think evangelistic. though, I want to know my dad the way the rest of the world knows him? I don't know that I wanted that. Um, <laughs> no, I think, <laughs> um, nope. No, I, I had a, I feel like I had a, a truer, um, picture of who my dad was. Um, my dad, um, was in music ministry all my life, all my life. Um, metal band with, uh, Craig Boyer, shout That's out right. to Craig Boyer. Um, what's it, what's his name? 
Like Cliff or something? No, no. His real name is Doc. Few Doc, people know right. that, but now everyone will know that. Craig's, <laughs> All, Craig's real name is Doc, yes, not your Craig's dad. Craig's real name is Doc. Doc, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know him as anything else but Doc. And to call him Craig is, it's not right. It feels That's wrong. That's a weird back and forth. Like, I guess there's no short version of Craig, but no, Doc's no. kind of weird. Yeah. So anyway, my dad was uh, in music ministry. Um, hundreds of people, literally hundreds of people came to Christ through my father's music ministry um, in the tri-state area, um, Illinois, Wisconsin, Indiana, um, Michigan, you know, just that whole Midwestern region. Um, and my dad is this larger than life personality and to everybody mm-hmm. else, he's this, you know, evangelistic mm no nonsense, you know, guy. And he, he talked a lot in between his songs and preaching from, you know, not in, not in a way that we would see a preacher or someone in a suit and a tie giving a sermon, but he's setting up his songs by giving his life story and, you know, the way that God saved him out of drug addiction and uh, all kinds of stuff. So people just admire him. People admire him for what they see on stage and what they know of him through his ministry. But I know Mm -hmm. who he really is day in and day out as a man who is what he's presenting. Mm. I'm not one of those kids that's like, my dad is a liar. He gets Mm. on stage and Mm -hmm. you should see him at home. You should see him at home. He he is what he's presenting himself to be, but he's also someone uh, who has to intentionally every single day choose to be that. Mm. Um, You know, like any of us, uh, he's fallible. Um, he has weaknesses and fears and I see the vulnerabilities because I'm his kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, no, I, I don't wish that I could see him the way the, mm. the, the rest of the world does. Otherwise I don't think it'd be as true of a picture. But if they write a book about your dad, what's it going to say? It's going to say all the stuff that he's presenting, right? It's not going to say the stuff that you know. It depends on how well they research Unless you write the book. their subject. No, I mean... I would never just write a book about somebody without interviewing those that were close to him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so it, it depends. Mm-hmm. I would uh, write the foreword and probably demand all the royalties. Well, yeah, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> uh, I actually would echo a lot of what you just said uh, about my own dad. It's the same. You've got a public figure. Everybody thinks they know him because they hear him talk to them all the time mm-hmm. via sermons. And so, um, but I would agree, I think, there's no fault. There's no pretense in my dad. He is who he says he is. And he, he's the same person at home, sometimes even more so. Uh, but we got to see him also being vulnerable mm-hmm. and struggling with the realities of being a senior pastor. And it's a rough hmm. job and it is really awful. And I'm getting little glimpses and little tastes of, of just the, mm-hmm. the unsolicited emails of just how terrible you are <laughs> person for what you said on the Sunday and mm. uh, having to wrestle with all that. Plus just people you know, my parents have lost a lot of friends and, um, yeah. And so just seeing him at home, but you know, the thing is it would be easy for him to become, uh, you know, to, to live up to, to, or to try to live into all the, the great, uh, perspectives that everyone has of him and, and, you know, be the, mm-hmm. the messianic figure that people sometimes want to try to make him. Uh, but, Thankfully, he had us, and we kept him very humble mm-hmm. by yeah. mocking him relentlessly. Oh, relentlessly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's that's it. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Anyway, but what's interesting? I mean, getting back to this this whole conversation of of aging and, and legacy, and is when it comes to this. Now, not everybody ends up literally taking the job that your father or mother had, but that's obviously what I'm doing <laughs> right now. But our conversations have changed tremendously. 
Um, we've been friends for a very long, we've always been close. We've always been friends. Uh, at some point when I started getting into full-time ministry, doing my own, my own nonprofit, uh, all of a sudden we were talking more as peers. Mm-hmm. And now we're, we're, he's actually in some ways inviting me and trusting me with continuing his legacy and, um, any sense that I might've once had of rolling my eyes at my dad and being like, Oh, you're so out of touch. Now I've it's flipped and I'm hungry mm. to know, like, I'm just like, teach, teach mm-hmm. me. Cause now I'm realizing just how in over my head I am mm-hmm. and how like a fish out of water I am doing all this. And, and so there's my dad with all this experience. And so our relationship has shifted yet again mm-hmm. to being one where not only are we close, not only are we peers in ministry, but he has become something of a, of a true mentor as I've been trying to wrestle with this. And so um, I, it's been interesting because I want, I want more of those types of relationships with mm-hmm. those who are older in this world. And I, I, I feel really guilty when I think about what my sometimes default response is to someone who's older, who doesn't maybe agree with me on something or who makes some flippant statement that's, that I consider to be ignorant or whatever. It's easy for me to just discount what they have to say. And yet I'm realizing, no, I actually really need to change my posture uh, and have conversations with people that can, that can affect me and change me where I can actually be learning all the Mm -hmm. time. Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. That reminds me of the the video that set up the sermon yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the grandson asked his grandfather in the video, uh, what's one thing that really stands out that about our generation, our younger generation, that's so different from your generation? Um, and the grandfather said, there's not an understanding of what your folks have done for you. Mm. Um, yeah. And I, I I wrote that down and I had to ask myself, well, Am I taking for granted uh, the sacrifices that my parents or grandparents made? Um, but then I can look at my kids and say, well, I know for sure that they are taking for granted the sacrifices <laughs> yeah. that I have made. Um, there's nothing new under the sun. Like this yeah. is a conversation as old as time. Um, totally. I thought the same thing. And a couple of weeks ago, my wife's dad told me that. I forget the context of what he was saying, but he said, I feel like today's generation really just doesn't appreciate. Like when I was younger, I loved asking older generations questions about themselves and how to do things and seeking advice. And I feel like today they just take for granted what older generation, like we're, we're disposable. Mm. Yeah. And so that's, that's part of the reason why, and I don't know if you could ever catch up, but that's part of the reason why I want to go to breakfast with my dad. It's Mm -hmm. like, I don't know anything, period. <laughs> like I don't know anything <laughs> when it comes to uh, having a baby or when my water heater explodes. I don't know how to fix it. Like my dad does everything. So this is interesting to me because I, I just thought that when you were saying, you know, we don't um, have an understanding of what they've done for us. Mm-hmm. I wondered, is that because we just Google everything now? Oh, like yeah. when we want information, we don't have to go to the older members of society. We just Google it. However, you don't want to Google how to raise a baby and you don't want to Google how to fix a hot water heater. So there are some things that you mm-hmm. still need an older person's voice for totally. directly in your life. Yeah. And, and Google doesn't care about you at all. So right. even you, you get accurate information, it is not wrapped around your personality and like, uh, yeah, Yeah. there's something about it being a unique relationship. The thing is, it is so easy to, to throw the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to 
people who are older, I mean, you can just say, oh, you don't, you don't agree with me on women's rights. Well, I don't care mm-hmm. about what you have to say about anything, yep. including how to fix a water heater. I'll go yep. to Google. And that, that tendency, mm-hmm. which I'm, I'm overstating it, but that tendency is, is what sort of separates us from the ability to have these relationships that can be mutually edif- edifying, that can mm-hmm. actually build both parties. We, we cut that cord because of our, uh, insistence on being right and, and feeling like our values must be right. And anyone who doesn't agree with us has nothing of value to offer us. Gosh, now I, now I got to go apologize to my mom again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that we could, uh, be here for you to help you realize that, um, more in statistic land. I'm trying to think about, like I said, my kids, are already, I know in some ways, uh, taking for granted sacrifices that I've made. It's already putting me in that aging adult Mm. boat um, because I have kids coming up behind me who are younger than me and generations younger than me and whatever. Um, And I, as I was preparing to talk today, just kept realizing how I'm really not far off from being in that you know, 65 plus category. Now I know, oh, I know someone's going to roll their don't eyes at me that. for saying that. We're but... all the same age. That makes me that close to it. <laughs> I don't want to be that close to it. Um, some of us are more willing to just face reality than others, I uh. think. But uh, in the year 2033, um, that will be the year in which for the first time, the population of people 65 and older here in the U.S. will outnumber people younger than 18 uh, for the first time in our nation's history. That is only 16 years from now. Mm. So one of the things um, to go way back to the beginning of this podcast, the three of us sat in a meeting last week where uh, the facilitator of the meeting gave a uh, quote from Wayne Gretzky that I will paraphrase. Um, Why was Wayne Gretzky the greatest uh, hockey player of all time? It's because he skated to where the puck was going and not to where the puck was. So that has been on my mind relentlessly for nearly a week now since I heard that. Where is the, you know, the puck air quotes? Where is the puck going? Um, Statistics help us to see that um, in black and white, just pure numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, Soon and very soon people... 65 and up, um, to quote another stat, um, in 2014, there were 46.2 million people in the U S over the age of 65, 46.2 million. That's a whole lot. But the projections say that by the year 2060, there will be 98.2 million people over the age of 65. That's too many people. That's a lot. That's a whole lot of people. There's plenty of reasons for that. Medicine's keeping us alive longer. Um, People are having fewer babies. Definitely. People are having fewer babies. We've, you know, we've heard a lot about our parents are in the boomer generations and the boomers, there was a whole lot of them. Now they're becoming that aging population. But if I were to look ahead to where this puck is going, we've got to change the way we regard Mm. the aging population from 46.2 million to 98.2 million. And by the time that projection is here, that's going to be us. That will be us. Oh my gosh. That's a whole lot of aging folks. Well, people better respect me when I'm them. Is that right? And why should they? I mean, cause I, I'm narcissistic. <laughs> that's all I can think about is whether, I mean, once it starts applying to me, I need, 
I need well, action. And just think about how poorly we're doing this now. I love what you said earlier about how this is, this is cemented into other cultures worldwide, just not here in the Western hemisphere. Mm-hmm. Um, when is black history month? February. When is breast cancer awareness month? October. Yeah. October. When is older Americans month? Yeah. I don't know. Did you know we had one? I did not know that we had one. June? It's May. Oh. May. President Kennedy in 1963 designated May to be Older Americans Month. Do you hear anything about that in media? <laughs> no. No. We're we're getting ready for summer, so we're not really. Yeah. <laughs> I got to go to the lake. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of leaves changing. It's getting really pretty and, and spring is right. And we have to figure out who's going to watch grandma so we can go to the lake. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. That's interesting. I think it's, I think honestly we are in a, we have a real opportunity to, as the church to be a representative of what could be in our culture when it comes to younger people and older people. And the thing is, I mean, you can see this with millennials. I think you're going to see it more with generation Z, the idea that people are aware, younger people are aware of just how hollow and, and ultimately dead this whole youth obsessed culture is. When you look to a celebrity to give you like advice on major issues of faith and practice, like you realize that ultimately it's all shallow. And I think the artifice is starting to crumble a little bit. Hmm. Millennials are still holding tightly to, to this kind of culture and, but, but it's starting to slip through their fingers. And I, I think generation Z has the possibility of realizing like, wow, maybe there's, maybe there's something of value in those who have come before us. And so if that's true, it may not be true. It's just more of an observation and a thought I've had, but if it's true, then we could potentially as the church lead the way in helping younger people have those conversations and learn how to, we can model how to actually um, be in the room with people that disagree with you. I've got a Mm. story that something that just happened today, actually, a little bit ago, I had a meeting with some, um, some older adults that are very, uh, very involved volunteers here at our church. And they had a, um, a challenge. They, they did not agree with me on something I had said in one of my sermons. And so we sat down to talk about it and their whole posture was, incredibly humble and saying like, we want to learn, we want to talk. Um, in fact, the way that we even set up the meeting, um, this older gentleman, he sent me an email with this long prayer that he had written out a prayer of him saying to God, God, here's what I'm struggling with. Here's what I want to set aside. I want to learn the truth. Like he was, it was all humility. Amazing. And then, um, when I, when we met, I did everything I could to convey the idea that I was wanting to learn from them and hear, what are you, what are you, um, disagreeing with? What are you sensing? What are, what are you seeing in the church at large? And it was this incredible conversation. We didn't ultimately change our opinions. Uh, and I think there's going to have to be more conversations to come out of it. But I felt, I left the conversation so encouraged because they felt heard. I felt heard. And I felt like we, we looked at the bigger picture and realized that, that Christ's kingdom and, and the building of this church is more important than some sort of dogmatic dispute. And that's something that would never have happened if mm-hmm. I had immediately written them off mm-hmm. because they're old. And I think that gets back to Tim's pleading in the yeah. sermon. Um, a plug for the the sermon notes app, which I am loving more and more each week. Um, Shout out to the team who built that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That'd be you, Tyler, right? I yeah. It. It's such a good um, 
it's, it's, it's a great compliment to the sermons that we're hearing. People, you know, learn in all different kinds of ways, audio learners and visual learners. And, uh, this just helps me be both. Um, in his summary, uh, Tim, at the end of his notes, um, that you can get on the app, um, he's, he's pleading with younger people to accept the fact that older people, older adults need you to help them finish well. And then uh, a few numbers down, he says, um, suffer an older person's ignorance of your world. Mm. Well, um, they, they need you to help them finish well while simultaneously they are, they're ignorant of your world. Mm. So can you be patient with them while they just don't understand everything about your world right Mm now? Um, can you, can you look past that? Not that every, uh, older adult is ignorant. We don't want to make it sound that way, but if, if they are unaware of the Netflix button, of the Netflix button, (laughs) praise Jesus right here, I'm raising my hand. Um, if they're unaware of the Netflix button, Desiree Gaffron, could you please (laughs) bear, uh, suffer my ignorance well, um, but understand that I need you to finish well. Mm. Um, it's such a, a mutual invitation. Um, that's it. Yeah, you're right. I'm, I need my dad to finish well, especially now that he's got a grandkid. Like that's all I think about is I want as much of his life in my own and my child's, but not just life, like his best. I want his best for whatever time he has left. I want his best. So I think you're right. It's a, it's a mutual invitation, both sides. I love that. And in the mutual invitation, was that from Tim or was that you? All me. Oh man. That's all wow. me. Today was worth it. Because <laughs> uh, th- the, the word invitation is, is an action. It's not just a posture. It's something that you do where you are inviting someone or saying, I want you to speak into my life. Mm-hmm. And they're saying the same to you. That right there knocks down walls that no one cares about the Netflix button. I want you to help me. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, we want you, listeners, to join us again next week uh, on Between Sundays. This was a great conversation, and we're going to figure this out. We may, by the time this gets published, we may not have theme music. We might have theme music. We're going to figure out all the transitions and stuff. It's really just a, a process. So bear with us, be patient, because we may not uh, know where the proverbial Netflix button is on this podcast project yet but thank you for listening today we hope that you will uh, download and subscribe thanks a lot hey tyler since we uh since we don't have outro music would you mind closing us out with a little bit more of uh momo's a good boy oh yes you're a good boy you're a good boy you're a good boy mo 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 you're a good boy you're a good boy you're a good boy mo 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 <laughs> see you next week 